ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, working it like a job. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Big Sexy and Sex, or how are you? I am doing great, productive week, and today and tomorrow, just relaxing, reading, and trying a new tequila. All right, some books and some drinks. I love it. I love it. Also, straight from the streets, South Central, Break my man, <laughs> and Pooh, sir, how are you? Well, actually, it's now South LA, oh. and as Ooh. we are, as I've uh, perused the neighborhood yesterday on a nice 20-minute, brisk 20-minute walk, I saw that we have been um, invaded by our non-melanated people, so <laughs> it's, the streets out here ain't that hard. <laughs> wow, all right, all right. But well, hopefully, they bring, oh, hopefully they bring Trader Joe's and an Amazon Fresh with them. <clears throat> Oh, I can't stand Trader Joe's. <laughs> oh, man, I, I kid you not. I don't want us to get sidetracked, but they have an underrated sandwich cookie, uh, the the vanilla ones and the chocolate ones. I was like, damn, it's pretty sandwich good. Sandwich cookie? An Oreo. We call it Oreo. Oh, okay. You know, man, copyright. you were really on some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they have a you know, fully sandwich organic cookie. sandwich cookie. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's an Oreo cookie. Oh, okay. There you go. Man, we came a long way. I, I, I'm sorry. Man. I guess I will be Leslie Jones. How about that? Oh, um, oh. Okay. We'll he said it. That. He <laughs> said it. <laughs> well, uh, man, there's, a, there's been a couple of movies uh, that have come out this week. A, a big one, which we'll start off talking about, coming to America. Uh, the Eddie Murphy, uh, Arsenio Hall. You know, let's make sure I say him. So this is the sequel to Coming to America, which is a, I would say it's a cult classic. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Do but, not disrespect Coming to America. It is not a cult classic. It is a black American iconic piece of mastery in okay. film. All right. All right. You're trying to make okay. up for your sandwich cookie, but okay. okay we'll get you're right. Yes, we'll give it that title. But you know, it's it, I know a lot of people that are not even black uh, love coming to America as well. Now here I am, Cape. But who directed uh, it? John Landis, matter of fact. Of yeah, which has had classic movies. Uh, you know, one of the other iconic pieces of work that he did was Thriller. You know, Michael Jackson. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. Um, so and that like I said that movie speaks for itself great movie uh, now we have coming to America which is like this is what 30 years later or something like that um, and it is out now um, it's a very much a testament of the times right like the movie did not debut in a theater the debuted on Amazon <laughs> Amazon streaming service prime video um, again Eddie Murphy movie Denzel Washington, no, Denzel Washington. What if they had Denzel in it? That would have been hilarious. Arsenio Hall. Who else comes back? Uh, John Amos. Is that his name? Uh, uh, for a little bit. For a little for, bit. From yeah. the dad of uh, Good Times. Fancy. Uh, Fancy's in this. Wesley Snipes is in this one. Leslie Jones. Uh, there's even a bit part with Morgan Freeman. Uh, in here, which is unexpected to me. That mother sucker, Michael Blackson. Michael Blackson is in it. What's your favorite guy, uh, big sexy, uh, uh, hustle man? Is, or, oh, God. Tracy Morgan. 
Tracy mm. Morgan mm. is in this. Uh, Bitch ass Dre from Power. Dang. Yes. There's a lot. I mean, there's so many people and cameos in this that. It was, so that, that was great. But let's get into what this movie is about and what's get our reviews going. Uh, this movie deals with Prince Hakeem, who uh, sort of ascending to now being the prince, comes to find out that he has a son who lives in America that he never knew about. And so this is kind of like him going to get his son and getting him to be the new prince. That's the loose story. Um, Without much success, I'm gonna get into the, get into this. There will be some spoilers here. And Big Sexy has actually not seen this, um, so I'm not gonna spoil too crazy. Really, is not much to spoil, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. So, quickly, what I thought about this movie. I feel like I'm rambling. I thought this movie was funny. It's a comedy, and as a comedy, to me, the first thing a comedy has to do is to make me laugh, and I laughed during this many times. There are little funny parts in here that are hilarious to me um i have to tip my hat to a few people one specifically i would say uh leslie jones i thought she was hilarious in this movie um she reminded me of the old movie and she's not in the old movie and i'll tell you why uh she was not uh she, she was almost like unfiltered like she was raw and I thought she was just naturally funny. Um, the other standout in this movie for me would be the old characters from the first movie. You know, it was the characters that Eddie and Arsenio would play, which the were barbershop? classic. Yeah, the barbershop stuff. Hilarious to me. Um, uh, what's the chocolate, sexual chocolate dude? <laughs> you know, I, that's still funny to me. Uh, the pastor... Arsenio dude hilarious there's another like a witch doctor character Arsenio plays I don't know if I can't remember if he's in the first one hilarious all of that stuff to me was golden I, I, it was funny I would have rather had seen the movie just based on those people and it would have probably just been out of probably had a heart attack laughing so hard um, those are the great things about the movie to me uh, the how can I say this movie reminds me of and here's some of the issues I have with it movies like Graffiti Bridge movies like The Force Awakens Star Wars they're sequels to iconic movies and they're separated by almost a generation that's a problem because the times that those original movies came out and the circumstances and where the audience was at that time are totally, completely different today. And the things that I think worked for those original movies, it's going to be hard to capture that because the times are different. The people, these actors and all of that is different. You're almost a generation away from those other movies. And uh, Coming to America came out of time to me when Eddie Murphy was white, was red hot. Like he was still that guy. And it's almost like that movie was like a, it wasn't the raw delirious Eddie Murphy that he built this career on. It was him. He's already a, he's a movie star at this point. And it's almost like put him in something that's different than what you would expect Eddie Murphy to be. And in my opinion, a lot of Eddie Murphy's earlier work 
plays on the trope of the black street wise uh, joking person. I have to say, almost bugging the, you know, it's like it's a fish out of water and he's that wisecracking black guy, which is a trope in Hollywood movies. We even see that today. You know, Kevin Hart's whole persona in movies is that same, always that wise. It's almost, to me, it harkens back in my cultural context would be Jimmy Walker, JJ. Dynamite! You know, it's that same kind of, but, but, but I like some of that. You know, you can go into what you think that is. But that was Eddie when you when he's in uh, Trading Places, right? He's the guy from the street, wisecracking, talking, he cuss a motherfucker. Don't tell me, you know. He he get to get real animated. That's his style. That was his thing, you know. He had that one scene where he got to go off. Um, you know, was it this club scene in a strip club? Maybe that was a uh, Beverly Hills Cop. But he that was his trope. Like he played that type of character. And I thought they're coming to America's like he didn't have to play that character. He could play or almost like a regal dashing type of dude. And they have him be the fish out of water, not to be the wisecracking black dude, but to have him be the prince coming to America. And he's out of waters with American culture and maybe some of even black American culture. Right. Like. So this movie coming out in 2021, so much has happened culturally between that so it's like how is this going to work and you know is eddie murphy going to play it straight or is he going to be hilarious wisecracking eddie murphy and so that's part of the problem i had the main problem i had with this movie i will say this i liked the movie i liked it a lot but i knew going in it wasn't going to be better than the first one and i didn't have that on the table as my expectation but I was very curious how they would play it to it. And to me, they kind of played it in a Force Awakens type of way where it's like, we're going to bring the old people back, but we have to have this new, younger, something for today's kids or whatever audience that maybe they can relate to. And though I enjoyed the actor who played the, his son, I thought he was good. I didn't really want to see that story, I guess is my only problem. That's, that's more of my expectations, but I just Agreed. didn't, didn't want to really see that more so I wanted to see Eddie and everybody else that I knew of. So for me, it may be a problem. For other people, it may not be. Um, I think the movie overall, though, was well done. Uh, black people in this movie looked incredible. You know, costumes, just everything. You, know, you can enjoy that. And there are laughs here. I just think that the main issue I have with the movie is it's, it, it's dialed back from, I think, the things that make Eddie Murphy and them funny, in my opinion. Was that raw comedy? And you see glimpses of it in the uh, barbershop sections where they, they're not playing Eddie or Arsenio. They're playing these old men in, literally in the barbershop so they don't have to give a fuck. Like, that's where we would just talk our shit. And even that, to some degree, I could tell they switched it. You know, and in a sense of they started talking about almost like uh, women's sexual... Uh, gender type issues <laughs> and you know they make a point almost to point out like oh that's sexist or you, know, you can't really do that no more old timer like, oh yeah I know which is cool but because it has to be aware of that I can see how they dialed some of that back actually there's an interview great interview with Arsenio and Charlemagne that just came out the other day and Arsenio says in this interview that there was a part uh, in the scene with the barbershop dudes where they were actually pro-MAGA. 
it's a whole little bit. And he was saying like they wasn't necessarily supporting Trump, but the old timers was like, we riding for Herman Cain. You know, like <laughs> Herman Cain, that's my man. I don't know where he go out, you know, that and I could see them saying some shit like that. It would have been an older dude saying shit. It would have been hilarious. But of course, Her- Herman Cain, I believe he's dead. So maybe they didn't want to touch mm. him for that. And, yeah. and I'm sure they didn't want to they thought maybe we don't even want to go on the Trump thing, which I think would have been a hilarious bit. Like, I don't see how you don't touch on it, but it is what it is. And then the part where the pastor comes in, Arsenio, it's like they made a point to kind of, oh, he was he's a sexist, you know, misogynistic type of stuff he's saying, which I'm not disagreeing with at all. But that's that character. Um, I, I think if we have these movies and we shy and we have to over explain who a certain character is because of the uh, sort of walking on the tiptoe of politically correctness, that shouldn't be done in the story. Like, to me, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to point that out. You don't, you know, it's as if, if it was a black character on screen, you don't have to point out, well, this is the reason why he's not this or. You know, we understand those things. Do a joke on it and let the circumstances be the explanation. You don't have to literally come out and say it. And I, I think they were kind of like a little too, almost too self-aware of the times where I would rather, we, we want to see these comedic, comedians go ham. Like that, that's the one place where they can tell jokes. A, a great joke can talk about a taboo subject, but if told, told by a master, it's beautiful. So that was the, you know, those are my little nitpicks. Overall, though, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, and so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I will say I give it three Marlins personally. Um, we'll go into finer points later. And Pooh, what did you think of the movie? Um, I probably will end up um, reiterating the same things that you said. Um it was fun to see some of these characters' backs, fun to see some of the situations that they put in. But for me, I felt like they needed one more uh, read-through of the script and tighten some things up. Um, I, I actually uh, read somewhere that Eddie Murphy said that Ryan Coogler approached him with the script for the sequel. And Eddie said no and passed. I don't know. I, I need to read up on why he said no, but I'm thinking to myself, like... You might have wanted to take another look at that script, bro, because, yeah, you know, yeah. what you delivered. Yeah, let me mm. add on to that. I could swear, too, in that same interview with Charlemagne, Arsenio talked about Aaron McGregor. Gruder? Or Gruder had came with oh. an idea of this, too. And he was like, Bruh. yeah. He's like, you know how he... <laughs> and he said something like, you know how how funny he is. And then they were, but, he said, but we didn't end up going that direction or whatever. Bruh. Come on. Uh, and this, this, no disrespect to Arsenio and Eddie. I need to take a look. Uh, let me see. I'm well, yeah, at I think the one of the guys who wrote it was the guy from Blackish. What's his name? Kenya. Yeah, Kenya Burns is one of the main writers on this. Come. And I and can I, see it. I can hear some of his jokes. I can tell some of his stuff. And I, I'm not, I'm not dissing Kenya Burris at all. I'm just disappointed with what ended up on screen. Because I think, you know, looking at the stuff he did with Blackish, I enjoyed Black as Fuck. And I'm like, this is what you get? But I also see Barry Blostein and uh, David Sheffield are accredited with story and screenplay. So maybe they watered down some of the stuff. And, and you know, I think they're part of the original writers. If I'm not right. Yeah. But I mean, but you never know. Some people might lose it, you know, over time. You, mm-hmm. you don't always mm-hmm. keep the pitch sharp forever. Sure. You know, um, but yeah, I just felt like there were 
too they I think they tried to tell too many stories and they could have um, really been helped out by just focusing on one thing. For me, what I wanted to see in this film was what's uh, Akeem and Simi. It's, it's Simi, right? That was the name. Arsenio's character. And, yeah. you know, his family being in Zamunda. You know, that's what I wanted to see. And, you know, giving us the, the this plot about the the son from a one night stand, even though they did make that believable, because I, I I was side eyeing that going in, so I'm glad they 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 wrapped that story and point up because I did not want to think less of a king. Um, but one of the things was it seemed like they were like as you were saying they were trying to be PC and they were really trying to tell the story of the misogyny in Zamunda, how Eddie had these three daughters, but you know he needed a male heir. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at that like, okay, how, why are you trying to hit these beats? But then we didn't get enough of, hold um, out, Lisa. I, mm, I, like the first right. 30 minutes of the movie, did she say a word? And then he has these three daughters and they're, they, in my opinion, they weren't fleshed out, even though, you know, from that first scene, I don't want to spoil it for Mark, you can clearly see that the oldest daughter is this badass, but then they didn't go anywhere with that till like almost the end of the film. And then they, when they went back to America, I'm like, okay, they're gonna put us in some of these funny um, situations. And it, it just, it, it didn't hit right. There, the, diff, the, the, the highlight for me was uh, Wesley Snipes' character, <laughs> that ridiculous walk. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't wanna spoil that for you, but it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, his whole family dynamic, I wanted more of that. But and and the other thing was um, I wanted um, Lisa's father and that family. We got a little bit of that, so it, was, it just seemed like they had a lot of ideas. And then I felt like that when they got to the the, the final read, they were like, "Okay, we got to get rid of that. We got to get rid because it's, it's just too much." And it left me wanting more of the stuff that they only gave us glimpses of. And for me, I have to echo your rating and give it a three out of five. It definitely could have been better. Okay. Yeah, just there's a lot of little things in it. Eddie Murphy's almost like he was a supporting actor in this almost I feel like where he he wasn't the main, main focus. Cause his character to me didn't really do and it was hard. I'm trying to understand his character from what we remember in the first movie to this. I didn't know how he was playing. I it was like, like a 360. And yeah. I understand love and family changes someone, but like he stood up to his pops saying, I, well, I did think that was kind of funny what they did with uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway's character. When she came uh, out, I was like, he I still, thought that was I was like, wow. Back for how they had her looking. Oh. I mean, it's funny, but I was just like, God <laughs> damn, come on, man. Okay. I know she had to be in a movie. <laughs> but I was and I'm sure she was like shit this is I'm yeah my turn but I was like eh you could have gave her something else she's you know what I mean like just put some respect on it there's another scene in the movie where they show her looking more cleaned up I believe right yeah so, you know, I, I thought that was just mad disrespectful go ahead <laughs> okay. damn you made me forget what I was gonna say oh <laughs> uh, Akeem oh yeah okay Akeem like we, he stood up to his pop saying, okay, I know this is the way, but this is what I want to do. And then he had some bass in his voice at McDowell's house talking about, if you ruin my chances with Lisa, I'll never forgive you. So you, you see that, it, it, one, he's very educated. 
He he knows what he wants to do. He has no problem putting people in check. You know, he looked like he was uh, somebody that was being trained his whole life to be king. But in this film, I'm like, okay, what happened? I'm like, a wife and children can't change you that much, can it? Yeah, he's almost like goofy or something. And I, I don't know. To me, it's like if you were to show this movie to a kid today, had no necessarily may not have seen the other one or didn't really know Eddie Murphy. I wonder if and if somebody said, you know, this is one of the most funniest guys. I wouldn't. You wouldn't think that at all. Like I was like, oh, he's just some older guy. What? He almost. He almost reminds me of a. He's like he was playing a TV black dad. You know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> And to your point, I just put a tweet in the chat that lets you know when you were talking about that generation. It says, Eddie Murphy got a better filmography than Kevin Hart, question mark. Don't make me laugh. So that lets you know how people are, or at least today's generation, are thinking of Eddie Murphy based on, you know, these recent films. Yeah, and he hasn't had that many. Yeah, they would probably think he doesn't have that many films. Uh, but, but I mean, I mean the classics, though. That's like saying Michael Jackson ain't, ain't nothing compared to Chris Brown. Like, well, right, because but, of the last stuff. Like, and it's like I said, you know, it's almost it's a great thing. Like, like coming to America would have been his thriller in a sense, in terms of a comedy, and it was so big. You don't. I, I guess my main problem that doesn't need a, it doesn't need a sequel. And if you are going to make a sequel of it. It's going to be a tough thing to me just what this falls in because the times are so different. You know, they have to tone it down. And, you know, what I find interesting is the one who can go, who I thought had the spirit of the first movie was Leslie Jones. Like her character was raw in this movie. Like she was doing, she was essentially, she essentially was doing what I would not have been surprised if there was some negotiation or talks, early talks that had Tiffany Haddish play that character. Because it's the same trope, you know. There is a trope in Hollywood in these movies of the obnoxious black woman, ghetto, you know, loudmouth. It is what it is, in my opinion. There's no denying there's 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 that. And in the recent years, I think that is the rise of a Tiffany Haddish. Haddish. I'm not dissing her. She plays that. She played into that very well. And and they. There's a space for that in movies. Uh, to me, Leslie Jones was that space in this movie. But she was hilarious for it. I mean, I can't deny it. Her shit was funny. She was saying more off-color stuff and doing wild stuff. The whole part about the royal bath, you know, from the first movie, <laughs> and yeah. you know, which I was like, I'm going to be shocked if they include that in this movie now because that's wild stuff. And I'm sure there's be some women that would be like, why paint us in that, pl- that type of thing? And they bring that back into this. And it's interesting is that, you know, they do the, 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 the fish out of water now is the sun coming to, uh, I was about to say Wakanda, uh, Zumanda. What is, what's the name of that? Zamunda. Zamunda. He comes, he's there now, and he is getting uh, these women coming to him saying, hey, we're ready to bathe you. And, you know, oh, you mean you're going to be naked? And, and I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm like, nigga, why, why are you asking all these questions? I wasn't like, going to say it first. Yeah, but. I was like, why are you asking this question? Because in the last movie, they didn't, that was, they let you know that's how they got down over there off the top. Like early in the movie, they waxing uh, the, the uh, prince. He, he, he's getting it and they don't bat an eye about that. So in this one, the son 
is this in today's world and he's he's a black man he has to bow out and like, i don't know about this let me go ask my mama yeah he's like i was <laughs> trying not to catch a me too case and i was looking i was like yeah. i said okay i get what they're doing here it's different i did think it's funny style that he would have to go get his mama i'm not gonna go too deep in this whatever when they go to his mom which is leslie jones after when you first whoa, whoa, see stop, her stop stop yeah. The prince's mom is Leslie Jones. It's Leslie Jones. When you first see her, she's in the hot tub. I already knew what was going to happen. I said, okay. I see what <laughs> yeah, they're going to yes, do here. Yes. Nothing, you know, and it's still going to be funny, but I already know what they're going to do. And they do it. And I'm like, so they'd have, they'll have her character do this because they can write it off as she's just this obnoxious, you know. And, this, and it's women empowering. It's women empowering and all that. And I get that, but... I'll jump. Let me jump into this conspiracy, brother, real quick. It, it is if it, and I'm gonna do like what they're doing. If you're gonna call out the PCness, and you know you got to address certain things, well then I guess we should address this too. So y'all gonna have the black mother being on some more wild shit like that? Then I'm gonna call. I, I, then I'll then I'll say I see what you're doing here too, right? I thought that that was a little funny style. It's like eh. The man doesn't, he's not going to do it now because you don't want to show him being that way. But you'd have the black woman, the mother. It'd be different if she wasn't the mom, but you're going to have the mother be on some foolishness like that. Okay. Ha, 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 that's funny. Ha, ha, but I see. That's what, I just want to make sure I say that. I see what they're doing. But it's little things like that. Leslie Jones is talking crazy in the movie, which I love. But the only other person that may have, I thought would have been able to match that would have been uh, Tracy Morgan, but they, but they don't. He's he sort of dialed back to not saying nothing too crazy, which I'm sure he probably was going off, going ham, you know, because I think a lot of his stuff he just be improvising. But I could tell I was like, ah, oh, they kind of dialed that back. They don't, they don't. Really, and of course, Eddie is not going to be allowed to do anything uh, off color unless he's in a different caricature. But even that, like I said, even the barbershop, I could tell they toned that down. There, there, there would have been, uh, again, it's an interesting, as we're talking about, it, it's an interesting thing to think about what they are conscious of to sort of call out. But the other things they didn't sort of call out, which I thought would play perfectly in this, as you have African royalty coming to America of today, they made a point to go into gentrification and the neighborhoods change. Man, they should have had a gag right off the top when Hakeem comes, and it should have been a Karen thing or something like. That would have been so <laughs> funny, you know what I mean? Like it was to, it's part of today, and to be like, man, I've been in this African nation this whole time. How America has changed, and didn't come to be like, whoa, it's wild over here. You know, that would have been funny as hell. Even a Trump thing would have still been funny. They make a point to mention Obama. And then he's almost like you can kind of hear them about to go into it. He's like, well, you know, your black president changed things. Well, yeah, but now it's crazy now. And then it's, it's crazy out here. And then they like sort of shifting. Oh, there's Nazis everywhere. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he kind of throws in an all right joke. But I was like, I know they was about to go. They could have went really on some funny, edgy type shit. And that's just the only thing about it. I don't think it had the edge of the first one. The first one's already. Now, this one's PG-13. And that's cool, but I just felt like, man, this is Eddie Murphy. I'm trying to understand if uh, 
Because I could have sworn like they were making it for theaters, but then I thought before production they had already announced it was going to Amazon. So I just feel like if it's no, going no, they to didn't. Amazon, actually, it didn't. No. Okay. Yeah. No, it was because they again go back and listen to the interview with Arsenio and Charlemagne. Okay. Excellent, but he he addresses like. He he said no. We got traded. You know, we had no idea we were going to be coming on Amazon. We thought it was going to be in a the theater. He said something. Actually, he said Paramount was going to hold it back to twenty twenty three. Some crazy whoa. like that. And they were like, yeah, we need to get this out. So. Yeah, because because the the point I was going to make is if it's going to Amazon, then you really don't need to uh, water it down to PG thirteen because you you got an audience right there. You would think. You would think, but I mean, I, I, and I'm not shitting on the movie. It's it's funny. There's some great musical <clears throat> tributes, and you know, you've seen it oh, online. I love the one. They do yeah, the, the one that get uh, off. It's King dope. Joffrey's uh, uh, going home. That was funny yeah. as hell too. That was uh, what, uh, Gladys Knight. And that Vogue, was great. Salt and pepper. Yeah. I was like, I like they just giving everybody a check, ain't they? Yeah, and so that's what I said. There's some great stuff in there. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I just think that it's it's not as great as it could could have been maybe, but for a sequel for a movie thirty plus years removed, uh, it was okay. For, it, and, and it, it was okay for that. You know, I was like, okay. You know, I I, I would I would probably be like, maybe we shouldn't do this movie at this point because it's almost going to be impossible to sort of really break new ground. But they lean heavily on the first movie to the point where they even show scenes from it. Yeah. They go back to when they were at the nightclub in the first movie and how they meet Leslie Jones, which I thought was very funny how they did that. Um, but I just felt like, man, you guys are really leaning on the... Almost like you need to watch the first one before you can even understand what's going on here. But. And I'll just reiterate, um, I think... I don't know what happened with Eric LaSalle's character. I think when they ah, came to America, yes. Another Eric LaSalle's character and uh, Lisa's sister. I, I'm, All please right. forgive me. I'm like, I would have loved to seen if they were st- if they hooked up and got married and had all that, and you I know, see the team and that. And I wanted to have more with uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Daddy McDowell. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's what I think. It's like you know, that's that Force Awakens thing. Well. Should we do a movie purely with just the original cast, or do we need to bring in some new blood? Which, which it doesn't make sense to me, unless this is going to be another sequel, which they shouldn't do. I don't see why I focus on the, the young boy. And he was good, but I just didn't really see the point of it. Like, I want right. to see the characters we know and love. I don't. Especially when you. To, to me, it's like if you're going to focus on this boy and doing the fish out of water again, then why did you introduce three daughters? I mean, did he have that? Have, right. Did Akeem and Lisa need to have three daughters? One would have been good enough, right? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's a puzzling thing when I think about the new actor, which, yeah, like I said, he was great, but. I want to see Eddie Murphy <laughs> and, and you know his character that's what this movie's about like why would it you know again if they did a Purple Rain sequel which they did with Graffiti Bridge and if Prince was not the main character nor was Morris and they introduced some other person to be the main character they'd be like why uh, these are the iconic guys this is Eddie you got Arsenio uh, one I wouldn't have I would have been I wouldn't be surprised if they had some meetings early on where instead of it being 
the kid who they have playing his son, they have we're gonna get uh, what's it, Kevin Hart. Because he oh, would have, no. he would, I mean, but I'm saying he would have played it. He would have been the wisecracking because that's his thing. And it would, it could have been a thing yeah. where like, well, man, you got some people would say who's the comic guy of today versus iconic Eddie Murphy and slap those two in a movie together. It's, it's gotta be funny. You know what I mean? But to get him against somebody who I don't think he played well against Eddie, there was no chemistry to me. You know, they don't even really go in the whole daddy father thing. In my opinion, like, some rich black man who is a king comes to your house in the hood and tells you that he's your dad and you're 30 something years old. You've never had the dad in your life. He seems to like, it doesn't even seem like he even, there's no emotional anything like, you know what I mean? Like where were you? Or I didn't have a dad my whole life. There was no conversation to me, unless I missed it. They didn't have a conversation, a real conversation. They had that movie kind of, you know, you can be who you want to be if you believe type conversation, but I just like, it never addressed like, where the hell were you, man? Like, and, or him saying, I don't really need you now. Or I don't know. I just didn't go into any of that, which I was like, and where to believe he had a child all this time that he didn't know about. And the witch doctor told him about it. Well, I mean, the way I interpreted it was the, yeah, the witch doctor knew told the King, cause I guess he served the King and the King was like, chill. Nah, we, we don't. Cause you know, you saw the, the pops got down in the first movie. He's like, you, cause remember they kept saying through the movie, your bastard, your bastard, which I was like, damn. Okay. Um, so he was like, I guess to the king, he felt like it was Sully their name. But since he didn't, since they were having that issue with uh, what General Izzy, and uh, they were like, okay, I think we need this bastard now to, to marry the kid, <laughs> to marry um, Izzy's daughter so we can have keep peace. So I think he would have never known if it wasn't for the fact that he didn't have any male heirs. Okay, okay. Are you telling me that Prince Akeem and Leslie Jones hooked up? Yes, <laughs> and, and I, they they comedically showed show that which I bought I bought it I was like okay that's funny they 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 were on their Marvel de aging technique <laughs> to pull this scene off because they kind of took you back to and that's the other thing and I this is this is not a slide on the movie this is more again my expectations or what they could have done if they just as seamlessly as they kind of did the whole flashback scene and they de aged them. Shit, I would have been even happier if half the movie would have took us back then to the younger versions of themselves. And because I thought all that stuff was funny. And it was like, maybe it'll give us an opportunity to see the characters that we remember them as they were back then a little bit. And then we can jump into, okay, dial Eddie back down and give us this new kid type thing. But I guess I enjoyed it. I'm not, I, I sounds like I'm probably shitting on it. I'm not. It's funny. Nah, it, uh, it, it could have been better, but you know, just such it didn't a high expectations. It. Yeah, it's just like it's an iconic movie they're doing a sequel of, so it, you can't help but not compare it to it because it, it wants to be compared. That the whole movie is, com- is a comparison, so I have to. That's why I'm reviewing it like this. I'm like, well, okay. Um, stacked against what what the original one was, this one is not on the same level. But it's a nice reunion. It's it's cute. It looks it's like you haven't seen all these people in so many years, and it's like, man, I don't really know what's going on in your life, but you look good. 
you look good. You, you know, you look real good for your age. Okay. You know, you can still dance a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It, that's what it felt like. You know what I mean? Like, you look good, man. Okay, man. Good to see you again. Damn. All right. And, you know, oh, hey, baby girl, I see you. I never, we never did get to get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought I saw this in the theater. I probably would have shit on it. But watching it at home, in the comfort of the home, I was like, oh, this is good. I was like, okay, this is great. And, you know, being a Prince fan, when you see that whole Prince bit, I was like, I, I said, oh, very slick. I said, I tip my hat. Whoever came up with that idea, salute to, salute to you. Yeah, I would love to know why they selected that song. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it worked, though. It really worked well. It was funny. Was I, was, I watched a little bit this morning, and I was watching that part again. And I was like, I never made, I never thought about it before, but Get Off is almost like a hip hop, hip hop version of Head, essentially. Uh, thematically, it fits, and it's almost kind of has the same kind of flow as Head, you know. And I, you know, when I look at Head now, I'm like, he's kind of rapping a little bit on Head anyway. Like, that's, you know, for sorry, the Prince type of rap style. And I'm like, man, he he was able to update his thing in today's world, and he just made it. It's like a rap version of Prince, which I guess it was. But looking at it in 2021, somebody else covering it, I was like, wow, I, yeah, that's that would work today. It, it works today, you know, as you saw in that movie, and and as the some totally different people singing it. And I was like, yeah, that's some Prince shit. But it was, it would even play today. Like he switched the style up so much that it still would play today. So Lizzie Jones talking about this is my this is my song. I'm like. Stop it! Oh, that was great though. And I was like, okay. And she's like, what'd she say to her son? Like, go put that purple on it. You know, you from America or something. Like and I was like, okay, you know, a little bit of FBA and yeah. you know, represent. I would love to know the people, uh, the new people that uh, watch this movie, if they knew where that song was from. Mm. I wouldn't. I would be surprised. Some of them probably don't, but I would bet they were like, what is this? Like, this is. And somebody said, that's Prince. Really? Let me hear the version. Now, oh, I've heard is, this song before. Yeah. Now, my question is, is if they watch the uh, the video or the MTV VMA Awards, how, how wild they'll think that song is. <laughs> mm, right, right. Yeah. So, um, and we didn't say it was directed by was it Craig Buer. He, I know him from, he did Hustle and... Hustle. Well, that, oh. Yeah, he okay. did Hustle and Flow. He also, what's that other movie? He did Footloose remake as well, which I actually liked. Um, it was it Black Snake Moan? Black that, Snake, yeah, that? that was his next one after, uh, the yeah, after uh, Hustle and Flow. Yeah, Black Snake Moan. I think he's a great, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, uh, to me, in my opinion, he really understands the uh, black culture in his movies. Like, it doesn't come off like it's some outsider who's directing or, you know what I mean? Like it feels authentic enough to me. Like I, I can see why they would have picked him and maybe has a good relationship with Eddie, but you know, I, I thought the direction of it looked great. I mean, it looked great to me. It looked great. That was one of the big things too. I just, man, it looks good for me. And I'm glad you mentioned graffiti bridge is that I felt uh, the same way watching this movie as I did with Graffiti Bridge in that the first movies, Coming to America and Purple Rain, it felt larger in scale and scope. You know, uh, Purple Rain was filming um, 
they had a number of outside shots that really made you feel like Minneapolis was this metropolis, the same way with coming to America where, you know, they it felt like you really were in New York. Whereas the sequels, it all it all felt and looked like a soundstage. And that kind of took me out of it, which is even stranger because apparently the palace that they were filming at with some of the outside scenes was actually Rick Ross's uh, home in Atlanta, which is why he got the cameo. And that that's kind of took me out of the film as much because it just felt too um, sterile. I guess that's the word. Yeah, that'd be the best mm. word to describe it compared to the original film, which felt raw, raw to New York. Now, there's also the point that New York is a whole lot cleaner than it was back in the 80s. But that was something that I noticed. Okay. Okay. I think, yeah, the other part, they shot most of it at the Tyler, Tyler Perry Studios um, as well. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd say definitely watch it. It's definitely something to watch. You might even want to watch it a couple of times. There is some funny shit in there. Um, but I'll probably right. wait till it comes on cable. <laughs> you don't have Amazon Prime? No, I'm saying I'll wait to watch it again. You know, oh, interesting. I'm not going to go out my way. How would you go out your way? Is a flick of a butt? <laughs> I'm just... First, you know, first like world you, black problems. I don't know. Ah, you know when you're doing your uh, channel surface, like, oh, that movie's on. Okay, I'll stop and watch it as opposed to. See, I, don't, I, I don't do channel surface. I, I don't have yeah. the TV, so I, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on real quickly to WandaVision. So we got the last episode came out, season finale. Uh, Big Sexy, real quick, what do you think of it? You know, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> A lot of people had been beefing about, hey, there's no action. Well, you got some action in this episode. <clears throat> we had a lot of things going on. Uh, the resolution, while satisfying, was a little unsatisfying because, are we spoiling? Sure. Yeah. If people are waiting for the you know surprise big bad to show up, yeah, it didn't happen. Kind of a letdown there. But you did have a great battle with Wanda and oh, who was that? Uh, Agatha Harkness. And apparently there were two visions running around. So they had that going on. They had a lot of the kids' involvement. It was just a real nice throwdown at the end. You know, and I guess the villain could be looked at as that uh, sword guy, which was kind of built up to that. You know, he gets his just desserts and they wrapped it up nicely. I was hoping for a little more in the end credit sequence or both sequences, but I'll take what I can get because it's not really wrapped up. You know, if you look at the second end credit, you know, sequence, there's, there's something going on here. You know, there's something definitely going on here. I think we're going to see more of this story in the cinemas. All right. And Pooh. Um, overall, overall, I was very satisfied with how the series concluded. Um, no, it wasn't the MCU films where you, you, you had a nice balance between the story and action, but I felt like the story was very compelling, emotionally engaging. Um, they did enough to, to keep the, the water cooler water cooler chatter going with trying to find the Easter eggs and come up with your theories about what's going on. So I, I enjoyed it. And Wanda ended up being a boss. Now, yeah. I was... <laughs> 
I was a little disappointed with Monica Rambeau because I was expecting her to, you know, bust out some of her powers and people would say, well, look what she did with the, with the bullet. I'm like, yeah, she, she kind of stood there and became the magical Negro to save those little white kids. So, uh, wow. But, <laughs> hey, and those are actually my words. But when I, when I saw them, I was like, yeah, they got a point there. She did do that. Uh, but yeah, the thing is, is that some of the setups that they did, like with, the director Hayward character, it, it kind of didn't pay off in a more satisfying conclusion that I would have liked to see. Um, they they did this thing with the uh, neuro with the aerospace engineer that didn't kind of pay off. People no, that saying, didn't pay well, off. You're right. They're like, man, well, maybe it's gonna pay off later down the road. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then you know, um, we. It, it does speak to us building up in our head what we wanted to see and then getting, you know, setting our own expectations. And I guess you shouldn't do that. You should just watch the, the show for what it is and let them tell their story. Yeah, agreed. All right. Um, I've already said before that I was not the biggest fan of this, but I will acknowledge uh, I thought this is well made. Um, I can see that this would be an enjoyable thing for most people. Um, I watched most of the episodes of this series. I may have skipped one or two or just maybe kind of glanced and fast forward through them. But watching the last episode, um, yes, they do bring the action in this one. And I was appreciative of that. Um, and and they just, you know, I, I love when they don't do the whole TV thing. Like for, for me, that just didn't work for me personally. But I'm not saying it doesn't work. Uh it just did nothing for me. And those are the episodes I pretty much would skip. Um, but when you got more into just the, the real story stuff, started moving along with other other characters, I was all in for it. So this one, I did like this episode. Uh, I think this overall, this entire show for me uh, was a one-time view. You know, I don't think I'd ever go back and watch it again. Um, I, it's, it's some characters that I wasn't really interested in going in and I thought I would get more interested in them because they would give more of their story and I walk away with it not still about the same interest level. You know, they're cool characters but it just wasn't enough there for the type of TV shows that I like. Not necessarily anything against Marvel per se but the TV shows that I watch this would not be one of them superhero or not. It's just not the way that it's told is not the type of TV shows that I like. So I wasn't really into it that heavy. Um, my expectations for Marvel was, right, it's like if you went to the restaurant and they were known for the most bomb-ass chicken wings ever with the grape soda or something like that was their shit. And then you you go to a new restaurant that they open in your, your town, like it was a Southern thing and now it's here in Seattle and they're they're asking you, you know, do you want uh, organic espresso with your meal? And you're like, uh, just some good espresso. <laughs> and, you know, the um, the uh, the salad that you have here, you know, this is not, this isn't meat meat. It's the, you know, what they call it, ultimate, ultimate meat. Beyond the, meat. The beyond chicken wings. It's cool. It actually tastes, it doesn't taste bad, but... This ain't the shit that I, y'all, you know what I mean? I can't, where the motherfucking chicken wings that they had at the down south one? I shouldn't be mad to expect you to give me what you've been giving me and what I, you know what I mean, what you're known for. So, so for me, this is where they switched the game up a little bit. 
it just didn't work for me personally. Not to say, so I'm not saying it's not good, but I didn't come here to order the organic food. Nigga, I want the fat back grease. We're, we're the ones that was dipped in the grease. Fat back grease. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've the heard ones, that phrase. One, I've yet to experience. Yeah, the ones you've been, you, you, you know, when grandma and mom used to cook it, they cooked it that way. I need that. So this is the this is this was cooked by when you was you was used to this is here's the other way. If you was used to having a good old hometown cooking and then you and got uh you got with a, fe- a female, I'll say you got with a young lady's new girlfriend, but she's from today's era and she don't really know how to cook, and then she come in there with some macaroni and cheese with raisins in it. And it's like uh, uh, I mean in the bedroom it's all good, but you know, Stay the fuck out the kitchen. (laughs) 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 So that's what this show was to me. So hopefully Falcon Winter Soldier can go back. I thought you liked it. I thought you thought it was okay. Oh, I said said it's cool. I'm going to eat it. Right? And it tastes good, but it ain't this. It's not the real, you know, it's not. Again, it ain't the real cooking. It's some different shit. And this, so it's something. I can't be Uh, mad at that, but but you can't be. But I'm just saying, you know, and some people say their expectations. Well, I'm only expecting because this is what they known for. And I, I would just kind of want a little bit of that. I wasn't blown away by this new stuff. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. But I just wasn't blown away by it. Um, I, I can't wait for they bring, they go back to the chicken, to the original chicken. which So maybe Winter Soldier in them is that. So that's my only thing. I say, hey, it's it's uh, it gets acclaim and people are talking about it heavy because it's worthy of that. Right for those it connects with, brilliant. I'm looking forward to Winter Soldier just because of the relationship dynamic between you know Cap or Cap Cap Falcon mm-hmm. and Bucky. You know mm-hmm. this this is going to be good. I'm looking forward to this being really action packed and funny and yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. But I'm still calling it now. Secret Invasion. That's what's going, how it's going to go down. Well, they've announced that already, didn't they? Like they back? did? Yeah, yeah they, they did in they, December. They, they showed a, a logo and everything. Yeah, they said they're building toward that. No, I think yeah, a, Nick, it's going to be a TV show, isn't it? Yeah, Nick Fury what? is going to be back. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> hashtag, what did you, what is Marvel, hashtag, what did you get me on? I'm sorry, keep strong. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I have to step out to go to my black carpet thing. All right. And I'll get with you guys later. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Big Sexy, coming through. Um, as always. All right, all right. So, yeah, One Division, man. Uh, it's it's completely, now you can watch the whole thing. Binge it now as well. <clears throat> uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where they go next with the Marvel you know, MCU um, what was the original? This was going first. We were going to get Black Widow, and then we were going to get Falcon after that, right? And then go to Wanda, but then they switched it and gave us Wanda first. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Black Widow was supposed to go was supposed to go um, first last year at the uh, theaters, and then Falcon and Winter Soldiers and. Um, uh, one division was supposed to come out either late last year or early this year, uh, so and then go into Doctor Strange, I believe. After right, that. so now they just kind of switch things around. Doctor Strange, I believe, isn't coming out to next year. This year is going to be um, Black Widow, 
The Eternals. Uh, what else right. was there? Shang Chi, and then Spider Man on Christmas. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I only asked that because I wonder if it would have, if I would have saw this show differently, if I would have had those other two things first. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure Black Widow was more traditional sort of a Marvel movie fare. You know, high act, high high action, and it looked like you would. Ex- you, and I'm assuming <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier is more action. There's not some you know slow burn mystery or something. That would be that would be wild if they play that card for them. <laughs> um, but but instead we got the slow burn mystery first, which is totally a shift change for Marvel. So I wonder if that kind of plays into my perception of it as well. But well, there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, Black Widow is what I think next week. Or the week coming after? out next week. Uh, I think it, well, it's, it's supposed to be March, right? Because it comes, it comes, and then really? uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They have no hype whatsoever on this movie. Where are they gonna put it out there? <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> I gotta look that up. I haven't heard. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. Uh, May seventh. I could have sworn uh, okay. that it may have wanted... been earlier, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the, what I heard was that, that Black Widow was supposed to come before Falcon and Winter Soldier, so... Huh. It probably was at some point. Yeah. I, I, I feel like at this point, man, they need to go ahead and just release that um, and get it out of the way. It, yeah, they might as well do the... Uh, I mean, just being honest, theaters are not... They're not uh, going to be... People aren't going to be going out to the theaters like that, so they might as well just release it with the Disney Plus premiere... Um, I'll go ahead and pay the 30 get 30 days for the whole family to watch it yeah that's yeah that's, either way it's gonna be a tough thing cause you're right the theaters where I live are open and I believe they're gonna be opening in Cali and stuff soon in New York if they're not already but that don't mean anybody's going to the movies like right yeah, yeah. the theaters are open out here it's just you know people aren't going like yeah, that yeah and they have to be the capacity is so small anyway what they're gonna allow into it so even if they all were open, there's no way they're going to be able to have the number of people to go in to, you know, give them that billion dollar pump anyway. So would you wait another year and a half out? I just think they need to get this, get the show rolling. Like, go ahead, man. Just put it out so we can get this thing going. Get, just keep this Marvel thing going. We, you have to have content out. So Yeah, because... Um, but I mean, technically, they don't have to release it because the money's already been spent. But then it's like, you know, are you losing money by the longer you hold on to it and not release it? And yeah. Especially when you have no end date of when you'll have full capacity uh, theaters. Yeah. I mean, even if there is full capacity. Yeah, you're right. So it's like, how long are you going to hold this? You're holding up everything. We're not putting these movies out. And after a while, I'm just not going to really care anymore. <laughs> so it's like. You know, if you hold it back too long, it builds. And, oh, this movie's gonna be super freaking great! Or it's like by the time you see it, it's like, God, man, you guys been showing this trailer commercials for the last three years. I don't really <laughs> want to see this shit. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing, like with uh, Eternals and I, well, Spider Man. I don't think they're gonna have a problem because it's Spider Man, and you know the hype around allegedly the other two Spider Mans being in it. So I don't think it's gonna be hurt at all. But with you know Eternals, we haven't seen anything other than screens. You know, we haven't seen a trailer. Uh Shang Chi, we haven't seen screens or a trailer. So I think they're in a good position. But Black Widow, you already killed the character. It's right. a, it's already a year delayed. 
you know, people, and honestly, it's probably five years delay from when people really wanted to see this character in her own film. So, you know, you see, now or never, sir. Yeah, yeah, just go on and put it out. Uh, okay, maybe three or four, but still, three. Um, I just read, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in this movie. I mean, of course, a flashback, but still, that's, I didn't know yeah. that before. Yeah, I could have swore we talked about that, but yeah. All right. Well, um, real quick, there was another movie I saw uh, a couple of days ago, a movie called Wrong Turn, uh. which at the time I saw this, I didn't know it was like a whole franchise of movies or, you know, from years before. Apparently there's a reboot or this is a new version of it. It's a 2021 version of Wrong Turn. And it's one of these teen, uh, you know, on the run from these killers out in the woods type movie, you know, so it's a horror type movie. Uh, let me say going in, only reason I watched, I normally would not watch something like this and I paid to watch this, but I was, I was looking at movies on voodoo to watch and I'm fingering through and I saw that it was like, had high ratings, like a high, uh, rotten tomato score. And I was like, really, this is a new movie and this is like a horror movie. What is this about? So I watched the trailer I was like, you know what? Let me watch this. So I ended up watching this movie. And for it being a horror movie, you know, the young kids getting taken down one by one. So it has all that, the tropes of it. Headbuster to me. Like, I thought the movie was incredible. It was fun. Uh, it was the ultimate shit talker movie. You know, oh, oh, hell no. You know, oh, mother, you know, it's all of that laughing but it was deadly ass serious and i recommend it man like go watch wrong turn the, the 2021 version i thought it was great. i don't know how it compares to the original but i gotta say man i was i was all in you know just to set it up it's these you know and it's playing the pc tropes hard but uh i thought it was funny it was a group of younger adults going to the Appalachian Mountains to go do some hiking. So that means they all in their van and you got the black dude, kind of mixed black dude. He dating a white girl. It looked like there's some Middle Eastern cats and they make it very obvious that they're, you know, they're in a um, relationship together, the two men. And then there was another, uh, another white girl and, and another dude. And they all sort of had all these different types of things, you know, and they and they going out to, you know, the super uh, mid mid America backwaters, <laughs> you know, you don't really need, you don't really want to be out here type of town after dark, you know, sundown town. Well, who these, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then me watching it, I'm like, I see all the, star, the signs already where I'm like, nah, we're not going to stop there to get nothing to eat. We're going to just keep on driving like nah. Because it was like, okay, you got this brother dating a white girl, and they walk into the little speakeasy diner where it ain't nothing but dem folks <laughs> stay out there in the woods. And they so they already looking at like, say one, say one thing, boy. <laughs> we'll rope you. You know how the old school commercials and where is he from? California. Get a rope. I don't know if y'all remember those. You remember those old commercials, Aunt? 
Oh yeah, it was some, lavatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like so they're insinuating they go hang your ass, and this is they, this is the vibe of that place. And then plus you had the Middle Eastern cats. Again, just even being Middle Eastern, they already gonna be on some. You know, they're gonna be looking at them like, uh. <laughs> I was like, y'all, y'all already pushing it. And then the fact that they was in a relationship together. So I was like, y'all really, y'all really pushing with it with these folks because I don't know they mad as hell. And of course they get into a confrontation uh, with one of the white dudes. And you know they always make the one, they always make these types of guys look like super inbred, crazy. And he, you're, you're smart yuppie, latte drinking. You know he's going off on them. And I'm like, oh man, y'all ain't gonna be able to walk out of this. And then you know of course all, all the music stopped and all the good old boys. What are those? What are those? Uh, was it suspender type outfit? What, what do you call that shit? I, I used to overalls. Overall, yeah, they had the overalls and they all playing pool and it was like the the music went bing ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> and everybody looking like, oh, they talking shit. <laughs> Get a rope. I'm like, yo, relax. Y'all not in the city. These motherfuckers out here is not playing. And and you know. Uh, you know everybody is in on it. Like it just had that vibe. Like even law enforcement was in on it, <laughs> and and you know even Alice, the the woman who was serving you your food, she was nice to y'all, but she's kind of even giving, giving y'all hints like that ain't it. Like these motherfuckers will rope your ass. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I already know. Like this is on some shit, and I said this brother, he's already on some other shit anyway, because he should know off the top. You don't walk in there like that, you know, and got old girl on your arm. It's just common sense to just tell you stop it, like. And but I was looking at him, I was like, yeah, he's kind of he's he's brand new. He's he wants he's raised he was raised somewhere else. So when they come for his ass, it is what it is because he don't know what the hell he's doing. So it was funny to me like that. And when it eventually starts to turn and all the shit goes down, I was like, see. This is why you don't be out there hiking. Right? You ain't got no weapon. And y'all playing games. You know what I mean? Like, again, it's uh, in, a, in a right, just world, you can be LGBT or you can be black this or me- Mexican or whatever and go wherever you want. But when you out there in them sticks <laughs> and they already... Re- Ready to come at you crazy. They're looking at you real crazy and you not you don't see the signs and you're just going to be out there puffed out with your chest doing all your shit. They're going to get your ass. And that's what, that's exactly what happens in this movie. And the funny thing about the movie is they end up coming across like a whole uh, society of people that live out in these mountains. And uh, they this this little enclave of people it goes, it dates pre-Civil War. It was like these families came together and said, you know, we're going to create our own America inside of America and we're going to live up here and not have to deal with the foolishness of America. You know, we're not with the Civil War and blah, blah, blah. So you already know it was like generations on generations of motherfuckers who lived up there. And, and, they, and they speak their own language. They wearing these crazy ass, like, moose heads and you know cow skins over their face so they look scary as hell like what the hell i look like they're doing some rituals or some shit and it's like leave them motherfuckers alone like you don't 
You ain't even supposed to be out there. And of course, these movies nowadays, you know, they have to eliminate the cell phone early in the story because then those stories will fall apart if you could just right. call, call for help, right? So they're so far out that they're not going to get no signal and all this type of shit. And I'll, I'll just say this and I'll leave it alone. I don't spoil it. But, but what ends up happening is they end up killing one of these uh, enclave people because you think they're the killers. But they come to find out they, they wasn't really trying to harm the kids the kids looked at it wrong. They just jumped to conclusions. And then so they had murdered one of them people. And now all hell is gone. You know, and they have and these people have their own little court system where it's like it's just right or wrong. They're not dealing with all the nuances. And well, I didn't know. No, you killed one of us. Did you do it? Yep. So then you got to die. It was one of them types. And I'm like, fuck. And they can't you can't call for help. And I'm like, man, this is wild. And so it goes in that direction. Man, listen, uh, it goes down to the, the father of the, the young white girl. He he goes out there trying to find her. It's kind of how the story starts. So they backpedal a little bit and show you what happened. And then when he finally finds his daughter out there, it's some wild shit. And I'll tell you this, this, this movie keeps going all the way to the end credits. Like the, the, when they get to the, get to the end of the movie, which I'm not gonna spoil, and you're just like, man, these these cats out here in the militia, they want some other ish. And when they come back to our world, man, and it just goes. I was like, see, they can be out there looking crazy and be on some savage to a whole other level, but because they look like the dominant society, they can take all that stuff off clean themselves up and show up in mainstream society and look you right at your face and say, I got you. <laughs> Cause he looked like an authority figure. You know, he look like a normal dude now, but you know, he is a savage. Like he'll kill everybody in this goddamn room. and don't give a damn. And I'm like, see, that's how that's some scary shit. Cause they, they can come and get you. And that's kind of what happens. I won't say what happens at the end, but for anyone who liked them real, gritty action hardcore you'll love this movie i was like oh at the end i was like oh shit oh yeah okay okay (laughs) so i was hyped It it was a good movie man and uh we gotta pour a little liquor out for that brother i mentioned early you already know he had a chance he had an opportunity but because he wasn't really raised out here in these streets, <sighs> you hate to see it. But uh, yeah, man, I'm telling you, wrong turn. You, you'll, you'll love it. <laughs> it's hilarious. But all right. Um, let me get off that movie. Oh, you know, it reminds me actually real quick. There's another movie I've seen. I can't think of what it's called right now. But it it was a similar story, real quick. So it was these kids driving across the country, and they um they're tired. Alone, say it again. Alone, the one you recommended. No, it's not that one. It's not that. That was a good movie. It it was the kids driving across the country. They're tire busts or something. They have flat tire on the on the middle of the highway on the road, like out way out in the sticks, and so they get out to uh change the tire right and you know it's one of those things each of these kids have their own sort of little character trait or story 
But what ends up happening, as soon as they get out the car and start to work on it after a while, you just hear it. And you're like, hey, you know, I'm just I'm giving no arbitrary names. Hey, Buff, you okay? And you see Buff's head blown open. He got shot. Like, what the fuck has happened? And, and so the whole movie is there's some sick alt-right backwater trailer park uh, inbred nutcase up in the trees somewhere with a sniper and he's just busting. <laughs> and, you, and the only cover is to hide behind the car and they're in a wide open space and it's just their little SUV so they can hide on the other side where he doesn't have line of sight. And that's the movie. Man, you want to see a hardcore, edgy-seat type flick? Gosh, I need to find out what that's called. That movie was cold, blood. It's brand new, too. And you like, and you ask yourself, how do you get out of a movie like that? That's when you have to watch it. Like It, it was intense. It was a really good movie. Hmm. Okay, well, when you find it. the name of it, yeah, let got, me know. Now I got to find it. God damn it. But anyway, uh, go ahead if you got anything you want to talk about. Um, so my uh, wife and daughter got me into watching this Netflix show called Behind Her Eyes. It is a mind fuck. Um, it's a it's a thriller. It has a little sci-fi element in it, and essentially, it should have been subtitled Behind Her Eyes: Why Black Women Need to Mind Their Own Fucking Business. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I'm just going to read you the synopsis uh, The story of Louise A single mother whose world is thrown off kilter When she begins an affair um, Wet flag right there With her new boss David And matters taking an even stranger turn When she's drawn into an unlikely friendship With his wife Adele So it becomes this, uh, this love triangle Slash dark psychological uh, thriller and then the ending, I, I don't want to give that away, but it is a true mindfuck of how things go. Um, there's a backstory with Adele. That's the, the wife. Uh, uh, Luis is a, is a sister with the, with, who's divorced and has a son. Adele and David are these, this white couple. They go into this backstory of Adele being a, uh, she went to rehab. Uh, for addiction, I forget what it was, and she met this uh, this dude named Rob, who's a heroin addict. Now that right there should have told Adele, I understand you're there for rehab, but some people, some addicts, you do not establish friendships with, and that's what's her undoing. And I, I, that's all I can do because the ending, you will not see it coming, and it's a it's a it's a huge headbuster. What's the name of the movie? Behind her eyes, it's a six uh, episode limited series. Oh, it says limited series is on Netflix or something. Or... Oh, let's see, cut out. Yes, yeah, a uh, six episode limited series. It was based on a book by Sarah Pimbero. It's a, I guess it's a, it was an English uh, favorite. Okay, all right. Um, the name of that movie I mentioned was Down Range. Downrange. And uh, you watched it on what? Uh, I rented the movie, so you'll have to, you know, whatever your, your favorite sort of. He goes with this paying stuff. Cheesh. <laughs> Here you go, like six <laughs> bucks or something like that. Yeah, down Downrange. I think it's a. Uh, what's this guy? He's like a Korean director, Japanese filmmaker. Uh, I don't know if this was his first movie. I don't know. He's had other movies. Oh, he directed Alive, I think. 
Yeah. Interesting. Is this the same movie that we were just talking about? Oh, no, no, no. This is a different movie. This is <laughs> Alive. This is a Japanese science fiction film. Okay, interesting. Oh, but, yeah. That, that was back in 2002. Nope. Yeah. But yeah, but Downrange. Okay. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, this guy's directed a lot of movies, actually. <laughs> I'm looking at Damn, it. Damn, he directed a cutscene in Metal Gear Solid? Okay. Yeah, he did Godzilla movie. It looks like he does a lot of sci-fi stuff. Uh, and anime. Oh, no, he did a loop in the third live action. Interesting. Interesting director. Okay. Well, he's definitely very skilled because this was, yeah, it's a very tight kind of movie. Like, you know, it takes place in just one location and it's, you know, a premise of it's a sniper and you just can't, you can't let him see you. He's going to blow your head off. Um, but it was not a slow paced movie at all. Edge your seat. Definitely. All right. Um, and then uh, one I, another series that I just started watching. I'm on episode four. Um, not an action thing, not a headbuster. Just a uh, uh, so far a really good story. It's called uh, "I May Destroy You." It uh, it stars. Yeah, it's on uh, HBO. It was oh, HBO. So, okay, I never yeah. watched that. Is this so? Is this any good? I've I've seen. It. Um, it, it, now the reason. Okay, so. Backstory, the reason why I started watching it, hold hold on. <laughs> oh man, see you got a lot going on back there. Yeah, but I I I've I've never seen that show, but I see it on HBO all the time when I'm flicking through to watch it. Yeah. Stuff. Um I got um uh, put onto it. I was in a clubhouse room and they were talking about um black women who need to get their flowers and they were talk and they mentioned Michaela Cole because um, how she was somewhat mistreated by Netflix as she wrote this this series and she pitched it to Netflix. Netflix was like, "Yeah, we love it, but we want to we want to give you a million dollars and have all ownership." And Michaela was like, "Fuck that!" It's like I learned too much from Prince. I ain't falling for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> and they were saying that the reason why it made it so disgusting is because this story is semi autobiographical. Um, the premise is, is that um, she in the in the film, you know, is just showing her day to day life, living in London, uh, gallivanting to Italy, and uh, she's uh, a writer. And uh, the night before she uh, her latest novel was due, she went out for drinks, and come to find out the next morning that she her drink was spiked and she was sexually assaulted. And uh, the rest of the show was about her trying to put the pieces together about. Um, what happened, who did it, and, you know, trying to get justice for this. And I was like, whoa. So that's what they were saying, that Netflix was messed up about it because you're like, dude, she wrote this story about, you know, her rape, and y'all trying to take ownership of it? And I was like, okay, I guess I need to go watch this. And I'm four, I'm four episodes in. Um, episode, uh, the episode one, I actually had to watch it twice because episode one, um, there's uh, her best friend. He's married, and his wife is pushing him to do a threesome, and he's acting like, Nah, I don't want to do it. Nah, I don't know about that. And she made him sign up for a Tinder account. So they actually, she, he, he goes, Okay, fine, fine, I'll do it. So they go and meet the girl, and he's acting like, Nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he bounces. Come to find out, like thirty minutes later, the girl that 
that they that he swiped left on on Tinder. They meet up at the club with uh, Michaela's character, Arabella, and they've been smashing for like six months. And I was like, oh, damn, this is, this is getting deep. So it, it, it has that story of Arabella trying to um, get uh, figure out what happened to her and catch the guy that did this. And then all this other drama stuff that's going on with these people's uh, lives and these marriages. Because well, when um, episode, in the episode three, the wife puts two and two together because his story about his whereabouts after they left isn't added up and she ended up at the house and the uh and the girlfriend is kind of like we really got to do this tonight and then the, the the episode three ends and i'm like okay i gotta see how that picks up so okay. it, it's it's on some other stuff i have to check that out yeah, this takes yeah. this doesn't this takes place in the UK, I think? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Michaela Cole, she's a uh, British black woman. Um, she did uh, the show Chewing Gum, which I highly recommend it. It's very, very funny. There's a um, um, there's an interesting um, scene with her hooking up with this white dude that, <laughs> that come to find out apparently he has a black woman fetish. And I, that's all I want to say, because wow. if you see that scene, Mike, I swear you would be dying laughing at that. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like essentially it's like when one in a zaddy goes wrong hilarious yes 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 i, I don't want to I don't, I don't even want to describe what he had her doing and that she willingly did and i was like okay i'm glad to know that ain't a american thing okay i have to put that on my watch list yeah it was uh two seasons i mean in my opinion i think you're more open to you know like the, the younger newer generation of writing and, and shows so, but I, I definitely let you know it's definitely millennial humor. Okay. And like okay. it could be a generational uh, shock. Hmm. But the thing is, is she's very good. This, uh, the stories that she was telling, the comedy, hilarious. But um, I think she was working on, apparently she was working on season three of that series. And then this happened and she was so traumatized about it that she ended up, Cancel, like canceling the show and and this was her way of working through it and so far you know it's amazing what pain can create hmm. and trauma all right really good all right um let's see it was actually another movie i did see uh, i've been waiting to watch this one it's been out i think it came out last year but it was one of those movies where you had to pay like 20 bucks to watch it so i was like yeah it's a movie called Fatal. If I'm saying it right, Fatal, Fatal. This one with Michael Ealy, uh, Hilary Swank. Uh, I call. I always call him Kane with uh, Tyron Turner from Menace. Um, and I'm gonna get his work. Okay. Yeah, actually, old girl. Now that I realize who I'm looking at, this was the girl that was around Prince, uh, Demaris Lewis. If I'm saying her name right, it's that one uh, tall. Uh, black sister, model like sister that would print sort of toward the end. You would see them together yeah. a while. Okay, I gotta uh, take a look. The guy who plays Luke Cage is in this. Um, this is uh, it's a, this was you know this is in your fatal attraction type character movie. You know the the woman that don't went crazy, and she got she got a little dick, and got digmatized and lost it. You know, this is one of those times. <laughs> I'm saying that's a trope, man. They have, they do that in these movies. Uh, but you know, Michael Ely, he's a young, he's actually a sports agent. 
very successful young brother balling. Wait, is Hillary Swank the one that got matized? Yes, she plays wow. the bad guy. And he, yeah, so he was, you know, he's a married man. Like I said, he's married to this beautiful sister, like a damn model, you know, a wealthy uh, black business. It's a sport agent he has with Luke Cage. They're doing their thing. And uh, they end up going to Vegas uh, for the weekend. I don't know if it's like part business and part pleasure. And at first, you know, Michael Ely is telling his wife, like, babe, you know, we've been together so many years. Let me just spend some time with you. I don't have to go with my boys. And you could tell there's something going on with their marriage a little bit. And she's like, no, you go ahead and do you. Go have fun with your boys. You know, I'm finally starting to get get my own thing going, too, in terms of some type of job or whatever she's talking about. So you already kind of know. It's like, okay, bro, you're going to be out here in Vegas. Don't get caught up, nigga. But, of course, he's at the club, you know, and he sees old girl. Uh, with the good hair over at the, you know, at the bar. So he walking over there. Like, hey, you know, whoop-dee-woo. And, of course, smash. You know, like, it's a one-night stand. He tearing it up. I was like, okay. I was, eh. I was like, bruh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this the, movie's going to be a mess. The Nutsi's undefeated. <laughs> you always for it. And then, you know, it was an interesting scene. Like, when he wakes up in the morning, he realizes, ah, oh, man, what am I doing? Let me get up out of here. Old girl sleep. He's looking for his keys, and she's like, "Oh, I put your keys in the safe, and I don't, and I don't know the combination or something." He's like, "Bitch, are you serious? What? Like, I gotta go." He's, she's like, "Well," he, he ends up saying something. Oh, I gotta fuck you for it or something like that. And she's like, "Well, yeah." So he had to put in some more work. <laughs> I was like, "This movie is wild," and he finally gets back to his his life, you know. And he's, and this is set up. This is stuff I'm saying is in the trailer. And uh, he's with his woman, they're asleep. And he hears something like there's somebody in the house in the middle of the night. And so he goes downstairs and this whole big scene where somebody came in the house. And I don't know, you don't know what they're doing, but they beat the shit out of him. Uh, and it, the guy, the person gets away. And so they call the police and everything. And they're just like traumatized. And they're like, oh, well, I can't believe it. And then here's all the detectives here. And when the detective walks in, it's Hillary Swank. Whoa. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and they're looking at each other. And he's like, I was like, oh, here we go. And suffice to say, I'm not going to say what, you know, don't want to ruin it. But it is the, it's everything you think would happen. And there's little twists, you know. But it's a fun it's a fun movie. It's a B movie, but it's a fun movie. You know, it plays up all of the crazy type of tropes you've seen in these types of movies. But it was just, it's interesting because it's different types of characters we don't normally see these kind of movies from sometimes. And I thought it was cool, uh, you know, Tyron Turner, who plays Kane, he plays Michael Ely's cousin or something like that. And you can tell, like, he's, he's in the streets a little bit. But he's like maybe trying to get his shit together or something. And so he goes to the sports agency office and these like NBA players are there. And, uh, you know, he comes in, you know, he, again, he has to come in, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it like this, but, you know, he's kind of buffoonery type. I, you know, Michael Ely and everybody else is suited and booted and handling business. He come in. Hey, what's up, cousin? OK, I said, you know, that type of thing. Like, yeah, so, OK, here we go. And. uh but he's coming to get a bag 
from Michael Ely. And he's like, I'm like, oh, what is, what's their thing going on? And Luke Cage character, who is Michael Ely's partner in this business, he's like, he starts clowning Tyron like, oh, you, you still coming here for handouts type thing? Uh, you know, you never made nothing out of yourself, little nigga, you know. And, you know, Luke Cage is a big dude. So he was talking a lot of shit. I mean, you could tell, you know, the Kane dude, he's kind of trying to get your man, you know, get your man. Why, he, you know, why are you coming at me, partner? And you're like, you know, and dudes have that energy like, well, then do something, nigga. <laughs> and so he just, Michael Ely's like, nah, man, stall him out. That's my cousin, man. He off limits. He good people's, you know, don't talk shit about him. So it was that kind of thing. And I was like, somehow this is going to play out later. You know, you know, something's going to happen. And sure enough, there is a great, he basically becomes a menace to society, Kane. And he's like, okay, I see this white lady messing with my, my cousin. Let me handle it type of deal. And, you know, he, he goes. He handle his, the police. Okay. Yeah, he get, he get his boys. <laughs> he get his old dog dude with them. And like, oh, we're going to take this. Let me get, let's get this bitch, you know, and he's got, I swear, when they show him in his car, he has the same 5.0 on Dayton's from Menace Society. I'm not bullshitting you. I laughed when that's like, I was like, they clowning. I was like, why does he have Kane's car? But it doesn't go too well for Kane, I'll just say. <laughs> but it was hilarious. Yeah, you can't come after the po-po. Yeah, it, it just, you can't go after the cycle Becky, like she's, why? <laughs> so like what happens when the thugs go at psycho Be psycho becky this this you know this was the ultimate karen movie you know but then there's so many there's these twists and turns and i was just like ah i was like man everybody's dirty in this or it's just like ah but it's it's a fun watch I, i'm not saying it's like a must watch but if you just want if this had came out in the theaters it's been one of the movies they'd be, they be talking to the screen heavy. You know, it's kind of up there in the, what's that, Good Deeds. You know, those types of movies. It's it's one of those types of movies. But, uh, yeah, Fatal. Okay, okay. I'll put that on the to-do list. It might, hopefully it'll show up on like uh, Stars or Netflix or something like that. Um, but yeah. But anyway, yeah, man. I've been watching a lot of movies lately. You got nothing but time because yeah. outside ain't opening up. <laughs> True that. <sighs> oh, man, anything else you want to cover before we wrap this thing up? We getting our checks in the mail. Thank oh, you, White Daddy. Did they they, they uh, approve that? Yeah, they voted on it this morning. The Senate passed it. It's going back to the House where it should get passed by them and off to Daddy, uh, Uncle Joe's desk uh, by Monday. Okay. Okay. Ah, oh, yeah. I did want to mention something else. Um, oh, real quick, uh, I was just say for those who who don't think they deserve the stimulus or they don't want the handout, hit me up in the DMs. I'll give you my uh, Cash App thing, and you can just transfer that over to me. So you two up to bag. Yeah, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but real quick, um, I was in a clubhouse room with Monique. That not not Monique from around the corner, you know, the roundaway girl. I'm talking about Monique. That yeah, can actress. I stop you for just one second? You you yes. you say that as if it was just you and Monique in this room chopping. Okay, it why up. did you have to put? See, oh, I mean, see, you don't want to I was I was in a room with Monique, not that Monique, the see, Monique. Is, I was like, nigga, stop. 
this is why we can't be great. You know, the, the, the people trying know to gas that. it up like you. Was, I, I was not trying to gas it up. I was okay. I joined a room where Monique was being talked to and having a discussion. That, that'd that be like that, yeah. I mean that, but that would be like me if I man, I I joined this chat thing oh, with Monique. Yeah. It was on YouTube and. And I joined this chat where she was on there, man. It was just me, like, well, actually, it was a live broadcast on YouTube, and you was in the chat. Okay, <laughs> okay, my nigga. <laughs> I was fucking. See, this is why we can't get ahead. Crabs in the barrel. Crabs. Oh, I'm hating. <laughs> it's because you ain't got an iPhone. Right, that can't be club right. <laughs> let me. That's the, I'm gonna let you go because I'll start ranting. I close. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was a really good discussion, a really good panel. It was hosted by some good brothers. They were um, talking about, uh, they brought Monique on to tell her story, as well as answer some questions from some of the, the audience member. And, you know, I think, you know, like, well, for the past four years, she's been on this crusade. And, you know, you think you've heard all the stories. Well, she has some new ones to tell. And it wasn't, and it didn't come off bitter and like, here she go, you know, crying and, and, and whining. Uh, one thing I would say is the uh, the moderators, they went out their way to tell you and show you and back up with receipts that, you know, Monique deserves what she was asking for. They uh, were bringing up um, the numbers for her shows, uh, the Parkers, the number when she was hosting um, the BET Wars, how they were higher with her hosting than some of the than uh, the following and subsequent years or even the previous years where she wasn't hosting. They were bringing up Charm School, showing how the year that she did it, it um, had the, the highest ratings. And then subsequent um, seasons with, um, what's her name, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne, and then with Ricky Lay, the numbers just downplay so i'm just looking like okay you know they, they're proving she's she okay she she ain't uh she has some clout they listed every single one of her awards and that went on for about seven minutes and i was like okay you know they the brothers they they're they're doing their thing of um you know highlighting the success of this woman and uh, the one i was skeptical about was they said that the parkers that has uh, generated $1.6 billion since it first aired in 1999. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I don't know about that one. But, you know, the fact they were talking about it being in syndication, being on these streaming platforms. Uh, I tried, I Googled everything else and was able to verify all those other numbers. That one I couldn't. So, I mean, I, I don't know about that. But they were telling, she was telling stories about um, how one of the produce, the original producers of um, Precious, that how um, Lee Daniels got her removed from a producer credit prior to selling it to Lionsgate, which meant that she didn't get any residuals for her ownership in, um, in Precious, which I was like, damn. And I Googled that and was like, Okay, this motherfucker ain't lying. Now, I'm quite sure there's probably some Hollywood backdoor dealings that, that explains that. But she was just saying that, you know, when she started telling the story about when she met that sister and how Lee Daniels talked her up and said she's the backbone of this film and how, she, you know, without her, this doesn't ha get happened because she made a lot of things go down. And he was like the night of the Oscars. <laughs> That's when she found out that 
um, her producer credit was taken from her and she wouldn't receive any residuals. She was, uh, they were mentioning how um, when she, uh, Monique signed the deal for the Parkers, it included 2.5% ownership of the Parkers and that how she hasn't received anything. And that they, uh, they played a clip of um, this tied into because they played a clip of Viola Davis talking about how she has great representation, but yet she still found it hard to get um, uh, parts. And they were like, so uh, Monique had these white representations that gave her this that gave her these bad deals. But yet um, people were complaining about her husband, Sydney, being the reason why she isn't getting uh, these parts. But yet here's Viola Davis, who has these accolades and is supposedly being compared to Meryl Streep. And she's not getting good roles coming her way. And I'm just like, damn, it's like everything. they were Now, again, it's, it's one sided. But like when you heard all this, you're just like, damn, you kind of got to take a second look about what Monique is talking about and how things are being done. And the one thing I will say to Monique is that she was able to back up everything that she was saying about how she was fighting for um, the next generation to come after her and how things were, uh, how um, the work that she was putting in, the things that she was passing on, um, that if she accepted it that it would only go that way for those after her and i'm no lie i have a newfound respect for her it was quite emotional uh people were coming on there crying about uh some of the things that were that were being exposed and i was just like this this is really great and of course there had to have been a little cooning there had to have been a little cooning uh there was a uh, one woman who joined uh nigerian who got to saying that, you know, well, this seems like, she essentially said, this seemed like rich niggas problems. Why should us, us uh, regular black folk be concerned? And the room just rushed her. But outside of that, I, um, I thought it was a really great showing from Monique and just really um, proud to see, you know, black people putting this on and um, acknowledging and celebrating a black actress like that. All right. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. So it's kind of one of those deals that if you're just not there, you don't get to see. You don't, you, you yeah, I mean, I'm quite sure that eventually there'll probably be some uh, some YouTube where somebody has the audio of that. And because they were talking about it on Clubhouse for like four or five hours afterwards, just going back and forth. I joined a couple of rooms where uh, the, the Nigerian woman that, in my opinion, was cooning, um, was still trying to make her point. And they were just like, right. child, please. You know, it's, it's that's an interesting thing about Clubhouse, and it, it, rem, it when I'll say this, I wouldn't be surprised if if Prince was still alive. I could see him using something like Clubhouse, and the only reason I'd say that is it has the mechanism mechanism about it that reminds me of back in the days. And what I mean by that is, if you weren't there, you missed it. You know, that's something that's not that doesn't really work nowadays because things are saved now and you can watch things at your convenience but the mm -hmm. thing about uh, clubhouse and it just makes me wonder if they will change this at some point um is that everything that's going through there though it is being recorded by clubhouse it's not you're not able to necessarily record it without jumping through hoops and it's not like a one and done content right like 
Um, if you weren't there, you missed it. And you can only hear about it, you know, but you don't get to see it. Which reminds me of like back in the days before the internet when I would hear about this Prince stuff. And unless somebody had recorded the concert or, you know, in some capacity, you just went on word of mouth. You didn't get to really experience it for yourself because there was nothing, there was no way you could watch it. And I kind of, this what this reminds me of. And, and I, that's why I find it interesting in today's world that they would do something like that because, again, people have such, you know, different time zones and people got different things going on in their life. And it's hard to get everybody together for that one time that it's happening live, right? And, Shoot, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's one thing I, I see, it, I, I find it very interesting about Clubhouse is it, it doesn't allow you to record it. So it's just in the moment. Uh, and it sounds like there's very interesting moments, but you can only hear about them, which goes totally against if we live in a viral world now. In a viral world, everything is recorded and shared, right? That's the whole point of it. Because so, you're not going to be there when that viral moment happened, but you're not going to hear about it. You know, so that, that's that's an interesting thing. I wonder if they'll keep that aspect going. And I, I see that there's competitors coming for that. I wonder will they adopt that aspect of it or not right like because be like what if what if youtube or twitter was that way or tiktok was like it was only live clips <laughs> nothing would go viral right <laughs> right you never get to see anything and I, we would not hear about a lot of people either because you you would have never got to experience that thing or whatever so I'm, i'd be curious i'm curious with how they go with this um where they go with that but yeah that's cool that's cool in the gang. Um, oh, just to throw out there, music-wise, uh, there's a new. Uh, it was a new song. Uh, it's a collaboration with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac. Uh, they formed a group called Silk Sonic, and they just dropped their new song or the debut song they have together. They've done a whole album, uh, and I have to tip my hat to them, brothers, man. Like, it's. You know, it's not surprising the direction they went in, <clears throat> but it's a nice breath of fresh air because to me, it's it sounds it's that tra it's a traditional soul R and B song where they really sing in and you know hear the instruments and you grooving and stuff. And of course, that is not what music is today. And it's great to see, you know, well, what, you know, Bruno Mars arguably, you know. He is that guy, you know, Grammy album of the year and all that kind of stuff, accolades and sales and pop world. <clears throat> but for him to going in this direction, even deeper into it, uh, I, I commend commend both of these gentlemen. I'm a fan of both of these guys. Uh, Anderson Pac, if I'm saying his name right, Anderson Pack is a phenomenal musician, singer, rapper dude already anyway. Um, so this is cool. I, I was like, man, OK, I, I'm all I'm day one on this. You know, have you heard the song yet? Leave the door open. Uh, yeah, I was just listening to it a while back. What do you think? Breaker Breaker One Nine. What do you think? <laughs> Sorry, we got we got a baby having a oh, tantrum. Okay, well, we, go ahead. Okay, there you go. Um, but yeah, man, the the new song "Leave the Door Open." Uh, I think it's dope, man. It's, I can't wait to hear. The, the project, they said the album uh, is narrated or hosted by Bootsy Collins. Um, there's a picture that they have out now, a promo picture, and it kind of makes it look like 
Bruno is sort of dressed well, it was a facial close-ups, but he kind of has the Bootsy aesthetic on, and then Anderson has a Stevie Wonder type of a thing going on. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 can, I can mess with this. You know, the, these are the young cats now. You know, their influences are the type of shit that I listen to. And so it's interesting to hear with the young guys now. These are the, these are the music cats you know, there's all these these types of cliques and different styles in music. You know, you have hip hop and uh, R and B, and everyone does their kind of thing. Uh, but it's still nice to see. Okay, these guys are gonna go do a throwback to just some good old soul music, and I'm like, we need that right now. Um, like, we need that like a motherfucker. So it's good. What I like is, you know, again, the instrumentation that, you know, if you could bring back that sound and hopefully it leads to people picking up instruments. Yeah, I mean, uh, picking up instruments, I just like the soul of it, man. Like, it has an emotion to it, you know. Um, I, I love to hear their voices. Both of their voices are really great in this. And it's just that it's a certain soul and vibration that we just unfortunately don't get a lot of. Cause it's moved into a different thing, and it was, and it, it, you can hear the love. I hear the love in what they're doing. Like I can tell that they're really probably big music heads, and they listen to a lot of music and enjoy it. And I can hear it in this. Like this is such a homage. Like okay, the same way that I can really appreciate a D'Angelo or Raphael Sadiq. Like you can tell, like they really love music, <laughs> and are probably music expert heads you know like they listen to all this other stuff and you can hear it in their music like they lean on their influences but in a good way you know to me that's how this comes off like in a good way they lean in on it heavy uh, there's a great interview with both of them on the breakfast club i shot them out again uh, that was a pretty good interview and if you actually look bruno mars does not do interviews so i was actually shocked that he was on here because he don't I think the only interview I remember him doing was the thing he did for 60 Minutes right? when the right, album yeah. came out, but he does not do <clears throat> interviews. And it was very interesting to watch both of them together, and, but they, they were good. It was good. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what them brothers got cooking. Um, one of my favorite albums two years ago now, I think, was the was the, the last Anderson Park album. I wore that out. Like, that was every song burner, and he, he was doing his deep it, it, this song sounded like it would have been on that album because he was it, it was all it was the soul album. Uh, he he was went heavy in that direction, uh, and it was beautiful. And actually, you know what? And one of the interviews I saw with Bruno, apparently he said that they had been working together before, and he said some of the songs ended up being some of the songs on Anderson's last album. But I, I, guess, oh, I, really? I guess I never read the credits. But that's actually it's interesting to me. I didn't know that because. The album's banging. It's, it's, it's a dope album. I, I had no idea he had anything to do with it, but there you go. All right. Well, man, um, unless you got one other thing, we're going to wrap this up. Nah, I touched on everything. All right. Well, with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Shout out to Big Sexy and Sack. You had to jump out a little early. Um, and Pooh, where can they find you online? Find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ampoo. All right. You can find me at podcastjuice.net. Of course, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform. And yo, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.